Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the evening service of Sunday the 21st of February 2016, entitled, Is Your Slip Showing? Part 2. And the Bible readings are taken from Luke chapter 5 verses 1 to 11, Hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 to 24, and Lamentations chapter 3 verses 22 to 23. Here's Pastor Brian Beaver. I'm going to try to finish what I started this morning. We talked about... Um not slipping and fading away, not cast, not being a castaway, not drifting away. And I hope and pray that tonight I'll get through the last three knots, N-O-T. Somebody said, are you talking about K-N-O-T? No, 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 not K. It's, it's a play on words. It's the knots of the Bible, N-O-T, okay? It's, so it's not K-N-O-T. Somebody said they thought I was physically talking about tying knots. And uh, no, God's got his own knots. One of them is a, is a fall knot. One of them is a fret knot. The other one is a forget not, and the other one was a faint not. I actually, Brother Joel reminded me this morning when the invitation prayer, I was talking about my knots, and I even gave you a little hint this evening, or this morning, about what I'm on one of the knots I'm going to talk about this evening, which is a forsake knot. And so all my knots start with F, okay? So don't forget that. All my, I'm a alliterator. I just like to start mine with the same letter so you can remember them better. And so I hope and trust that today's been a good day for you. Uh, for those that have been a part of the conference, I know you're breathing a sigh of relief. We, we're part of the Bitter End Club. Amen? We've come to the bitter end. And uh, this has been a long weekend, but I thank God for y'all and, your, y'all and y'all's participation and your willingness to listen. And so um, I want you to take your Bible and open to Luke first. Luke chapter. We're going to get to this verse up here, but I've got a couple things I need to do in way of getting to there, okay? So Luke chapter number five. Luke chapter number five. I want to say thank you to Pastor Larry, Miss Janie, the family for uh, making us, and the Bethel family for making us feel so at home every time we come here. I want to say how much I appreciate that. Thank God for the pastors from Romania. And, and you too, Daniel. No, I'm just playing. Uh, for the, <laughs> he is pastor. But I thank God for all my folk, all my family that I've just met and, and now claimed from Romania. And I thank God for that. And you too, Tibby. <laughs> you're a mess, man. You really are. You're just, you're just a riot. I mean, you crack me up. Hey, man, did you get that from your mom? <laughs> so... Thank God for everybody uh, that's a part of this, this ministry. And you have no idea how hard I try not to look at anybody on the last night of the message because I really don't want to get emotional because it is difficult to leave. I will be, I will be real honest with you. It's real, real hard to leave. I see some that haven't been here all week that are tonight. Amen. And I'm thankful for that. Uh, so glad uh, to have my friends from Bethel. Uh, and those that I have made friends with over the years, you'll never know what your friendship means to me. I count it an honor to be able to call you my friends. Amen. And so I want you to look at the scripture tonight, Luke chapter number five. I'll get right to the message. Luke chapter number five, and let's look at number verse number one. It came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, I'm, t- I'm totally convinced that there's still people today that are eager to hear the word of God. These people were pressing upon Jesus to hear him preach. Now, I'll be honest with you. You don't see a a vast multitude of people doing it around our areas. But I do believe there are still people today, and you're in evidence of it, that people still want to hear the Bible and the Word of God preached. Amen? Because you know what? It's good for us. Now, we don't always like it, but it's always good for us. I didn't necessarily like castor oil 
and things like that when you were sick. But you know what? My mom and dad still gave it to me and it helped me. It didn't taste very good, but it was good afterwards. And sometimes that's the way the Word of God is. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Preacher, you know what? I've had enough of these knots. Well, God's not done. He's got a few more He wants to show us tonight. Amen? And so I want you to look at this one. He says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. This is the Sea of Galilee, another name for it. And saw two ships standing, excuse me, (coughs) standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, uh, and prayed him, or Peter, and prayed him, and he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a draught or a catch. Now let me explain something, folks. It's one thing to cast a little bit off the shore. And it's altogether another thing to launch out into the deep. You say, preacher, what do you mean? You know, it's easy in the Christian life to wait around in the kiddie pool in ankle-deep water. That's real easy to do. But you know what God wants us to do, Steve? He wants us to launch out into the deep. You know, it's one thing to wait around in the kiddie pool in safety, but it's another thing to get out in a 12-foot or the 15-foot in deep water and have to tread it to save your life. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got enough Christians that are waiting around in the kiddie pool. It's time for us to launch out into the deep. Amen? But I don't want to stop right there. I want you to look at the rest of the story. And Simon answered, said unto him, Master, we've toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Now let me explain something. Jesus said, I want you to let down your nets for a draught or a catch. And Peter said, we've fished all night and caught nothing. But since you asked us, I guess we'll put down a net. Isn't that like God's people? God says, I want you to give me everything. And we say, this is what we'll give you, Lord. And we're going to keep our part. It's awful quiet. You're either tired or you just don't want to agree with that. Amen. Many of us as God's people, when Jesus says, I want you to give everything to me, we say, God, I can give you all this, but there's one part I just can't commit to you. It's almost like we want to, I don't know, kind of, if you could, for lack of a better word, we want to worship it like a little pet. We want to put our pet little category, our pet little sin in our pocket and almost bring it out in certain times and go, oh, I love you, little pet sin. You know, I I couldn't possibly give God this. You know, I'll give him all this other stuff, but this one thing I want to keep. Now, you know what? You can fill in the blank air on whatever area it is in your life. You can put whatever it is there in your life. I don't know what it is. I know what it is in mine. I know what it was in mine. But you know what you got to do? When Jesus said, I want you to let down all your nets, don't be one of those people like Peter. Well, I don't think we need to be too condemning of him because he, he walked on water, you hadn't. Amen? But don't be like Peter and say, you know what? We fished all night. Now, you, now imagine this is the way he's saying it, young people. Peter's saying, look here, Lord, let me help you out here. This is what we do for a living. We're professional fishermen. 
And you're telling us, we've caught nothing. We fished all night, Lord. Now let me help you out here, God. We fished all night, Gareth, and we ain't caught a thing. But since you asked, we'll let down a net. Now I want you to look at what happens. It says here in verse number six, and when they had let, when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. <laughs> and they beckoning unto their partners with, uh, which were in other ships that they should come out and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to what? I'm going to tell you something. I've been fishing a lot. I ain't never caught so much fish at the boat about sink. Now get this. They let down one net and they about sunk two ships with the fish they caught. What would they have caught if they'd have let down every net like he said? This is what we do. God, I trust you to bless me. You know what? Some of you in here don't even understand how much God wants to bless you because you won't give him everything. God didn't ask you for half your life or 85% of it. He wants 100% of it. How many times has preachers got to get up in a pulpit and beg God's people, give him your life? How many, how many preachers is it going to take in your life for you to say, Lord, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I gladly loan? It don't say that, does it? All to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely. They sunk two ships with one net full of fish. And I want you to look at what Peter says next. And when Peter, Simon, Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished at all that were with him at the draught or catch of fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, What did he say? Fear. Not. Okay, so we've had a we've had a fall not, we've had a fret not, we've had a forget not, we've had a faint not, now we got a fear not. And he says, Fear not from henceforth, thou shalt catch men. Now I've got to read this next verse because it is absolutely amazing to me. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook. What? All and followed him. Now I want to ask y'all a question. If you were a fisherman and you just had the best day of fishing you've ever had in your life, you think you'd quit? These men forsook everything, Pastor, that they, they knew as an occupation. They forsook it all on the best day of fishing they ever had. Now here's the problem with a lot of us. We only like fishing if we catch. Amen. See, a lot of y'all don't love fishing. You love catching. Now, you know what he said? He said, fear not from henceforth, y'all shalt be fishers of men. You will go and catch men. See, the problem, the reason why a lot of us don't like, and it's a little uneasy for us to go and talk to other people about the Lord Jesus Christ, is because we only want to catch fish. We don't really love fishing. You say, preacher, what do you mean? If you really love fishing, the catcher will take care of itself. 
Because you'll win people at Tesco, at your job, and the market. You'll win people everywhere if you just learn to love fishing. But if you only love catching fish, you're going to quit fishing before long. Does that make sense? Now you say, preacher, what's your point? My point is this, many of you, and you can go all the way over to another account, and you know what you can read in Matthew? That there was a point when Jesus, listen, Jesus walked to them on the water, and he looked at Peter and he said, why are you so fearful, O ye of little faith? I don't, I don't read, Bruce, anywhere in Scripture where Jesus Christ condemned or rebuked anybody other than believers, his own disciples, for having little faith. But his people, he did. You want to know what it is, folks? The problem we got is we have slipped away, we're drifted away because we fear so much. And one of the primary things we fear is we fear what other people think about us. Y'all must be really tired tonight. <laughs> you fear what other people think. Well, you think it's hard sitting out there. You ought to get up here and preach to what I'm looking at. Amen. Amen. Pray, praise God. Amen. I mean, everybody, you know, it's hard up being up here too. Preach my guts out this week and then everybody falls asleep on me on the last night. That's a really encouraging. Amen. Praise the Lord. But he said, fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. So young people, let me ask you a question tonight. If you're going to not drift away, if you're going to be a committed Christian and not a coasting one, if you're going to be somebody that's going to put their hand to the plow, not look back, because anybody that looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God, you know, there's a warning in the Bible about looking back. Don't look back. I told you this this morning. You don't live in the past. Thank God you can learn from the past, but don't live back there. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you. Got a Romanian cheerleader over here. Praise the Lord. Yeah. There's a, there's a warning in the Bible about looking back. I heard a story one time by a little boy. It was in Sunday school. Teacher was telling him a story about Lot and his wife and said, y'all remember what happened when Lot and his trying to get his family out of Sodom and his wife looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. Little boy said, hey, that ain't nothing. He said, me and my mom was going to the grocery store the other day. She looked back and turned into a telephone pole. Amen. <laughs> He was, that ain't exactly what I'm talking about. But anyway, there's a warning about looking back. When you look back, you don't know what you're doing that way. The Bible says, no man having put his hand to the plow looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And the reason why some of y'all are looking back is because you fear everything. And the Bible calls that S-I-N. Sin. So number one, young people, listen to this. If you're going to get through life with a sweet spirit and you're going to do something for Jesus Christ, number one, you got to have a fall knot. Number two, you got to have a fret knot. Number three, you got to have a forget knot. Number four, you got to have a faint knot. But number five, you got to have a fear knot. Write that down. A fear knot. The next one I want to talk about is really, really important to me because I am a local church preacher. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter number 10 very quickly now. I'm moving somewhere. And if you've been counting, I told you I had seven knots. This is number six, amen? So we're getting close to the end of this thing. So you can smile and be encouraged, all right? Look like you're having a good time, all right? Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter number 10, look at verse number 19. 
Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter in the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, then he goes into this dissertation. Look at what he says. He says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Then he said, let us hold fast to our profession without wavering, for he is faithful that promised, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and unto good works. Now, let me say something. You see right here, there's three lettuces. Not really lettuces, but let us us, okay? There's three times that the scripture says, let us, let us, let us, let us what? Let us what? Let us consider one another to provoke unto love. We've been talking about love, to love and to good works. Can I say this, young people? Find something to do and set your mind to do it. A work that God, listen, you say, preacher, I don't really have a gift. I don't have a ministry in my church. Hey, have you ever thought about maybe building a rack? For the gospel tracts that you have at your church, somebody else may not thought about that. Have you ever thought about hanging after the Sunday night service or the Sunday morning service and picking up all the paper out of the hymn racks and on the floor? Nobody else has thought about that. You do it. I had a guy in, my, in our church one time who came to me and he was a very affluent man and looked at me and said, Preacher, I want you to get at, I want you to give me a job that nobody else is willing to do in a church. Now, this is a man who had a lot of pull in the community, but yet he was willing to humble himself and do something for Jesus Christ. This guy would go around and pull bubble gum off the seats. He'd take paper off the ground in a suit and tie. And you know what he was saying? I want to work while it's day because the night comes when no man can work. Now let me explain something. The scripture says, let us Look at the first one. Look at verse, look at verse uh, 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You know what he's saying? Let us worship. Let us worship. The next one he says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. He says, let us witness. And then the last one he says, let us, what does it say? Consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. He not only says, let us worship and let us witness, but he says, let us work. Now, you say, preacher, why would he say all of that? Because of the next verse. Read it with me. Not what? Forsaking. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and the so much the more as you see the day approaching. Can I say something tonight? This may not mean a whole lot to you but it does to me because I got family that's lost. But I promise you it's only 10 minutes till 7 and the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ could happen tonight before I say the last amen. It could. My question is how many people that's sitting under the sound of my voice in this room tonight would be left behind if the rapture took place right now in the next five minutes. Think about it. Five minutes. If it were to happen right now in five minutes, who would be left behind? Who would be taken? That's something you've got to ask yourself. Have you truly been born again? Have you put your faith in Christ? Not church membership, not anything else, not your works. You put it in the finished work of Calvary. Because the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. I don't think, I think it's more than some now. 
I think it's a whole lot more than some. But as the manner of some is, and exhort or encourage one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Can I say something, folks? We're living in some precarious days. We're living in some days that are tough to deal with. And it shows me that Jesus Christ is coming back. He's coming. Are you ready? You know what the Bible says? If you don't want to be a drift away, the sixth knot that you need to tie is a forsake knot. A forsake knot. How many people do you know right now that a year ago were faithful in your church and you don't even find them now? Think about that. Where are they at? Where are the people at these days that used to go to church, that used to sing in the choir, that used to take the offering, that used to do this and used to do that? I went to visit a guy who came to visit our church. Pastor, I went to, I went to him after the service. I said, can I come to your house? Absolutely. Tuesday, we'll be there, all right? Went to his house on a Tuesday. We walked in, we sat down, had a cup of coffee. I looked at him and I said, sir, we were so glad that you came and, be, and was our guest at church uh, this past Sunday. Have you... Have you Really made a decision? Are you looking for a church body, a, a, a family uh, to join? He said, well, let me tell you what we've done. Last week we went to a church and visited. We've come to your church this week. Next Sunday we're going to another church in the area, and we're going we're to make our decision on which church to join based upon which one can meet our need best. I listened for about four more minutes. I said, sir, I've got to go. I've got other calls to make. Got up, went to my car, and I said, you know what? And I'm not being ugly, Steve, but I said, you know, I hope they join Church A or Church C, not Church B, the one they came to today or this past Sunday. You say, why would you say that? Because you know what? You don't go to a church to see what it can do for you. You see what you can do for it. You go to church to see what you can do for it. Amen? And I said to myself, you know what the problem in churches today is? They're full of members, but they ain't got no workers. We got enough members in the church. We need workers. That's the problem in the church today. And when somebody don't get called on to sing, well, I'm going home. I don't have to put up with this. Well, I don't either. Go. You know, it's like that lady coming to me. We've been praying about leaving the church. Well, that makes two of us. I've been praying you'd leave too. Amen, go. You know, I mean, go. I mean, it's unfortunate that people get mad and offended. We've got people that I have watched in our church when we're singing our invitation hymn, or not our invitation, but our handshake song. We have a song that we sing for handshake every single Sunday, and I watch people who will stand in their seat and say, I dare somebody to come shake my hand. I'm not moving. I'm not going to shake nobody's hand. I dare you. I dare you to come shake my hand. I dare you to make me feel like I'm at home. And they wouldn't budge themselves out of their seat to go and shake somebody else's hand and have the audacity to call me the next week and say, Preacher, you know what? We just don't feel at home at your church. Really? Well, if you're going to stand there like a knot on a log and not do a thing for God and want everybody to come to you, you know what we need to do? We need to get out of our comfort zone. Fraser's gone, but he was talking about that today. We need to get out of our comfort zone and go out of our way to be a blessing to somebody else. Why do people come to church to get offended? Y'all to come to get a blessing. I'm tired of God's people getting mad about everything. You say, preacher, you're mad. No, I'm not. 
I'm just irritated a little bit. Just pray for me. Amen. I get a call, man, every single day almost. Every day. Preacher, you don't want to spell, man. Can't believe it. Call the Whamulants. You know? I mean, people are just, you've got, it's almost like you've got to warm their bottle and change their diaper. We've got a nursery instead of a church. I didn't realize that. Yeah, you know what? I can say that. Your pastor sometimes can't do that. But you know what? That's why I'm called to come here and preach this meeting. You don't know why? He's called to comfort the afflicted. My job is to afflict the comforted. You're all cozy and warm and mm, feels so good in here. And then this preacher comes in and boom, drops a scud missile right on you. Amen. See, I'll, I'll be gone on Wednesday. Y'all won't have to worry about me. He'll have to take care of every bit of the mess I've made. Amen. He'll do a good job of it, I promise. But no, really, folks, I love this place and I love you, you as people. But I'm telling you right now, don't you be one of those casualties. Don't you be one of those stuck-in-the-mud Christians. Amen? Don't you be somebody that's saved and mad about it. Huh? You know what I'm talking about. We talk to people, at, I talk to people on the street. You know, in a coffee shop, waiting to get something, a donut or something. And you know what? There's five people in line and they're like, oh, what in the world? Got to get to work. You know what? You're going to sit in traffic for the next 40 minutes. Why don't you just enjoy your little biscuit and your little cup of tea? Because you're going to wait in traffic anyway, and then you're going to be madder than you are now because you're going to be out there with a bunch of fleshly people. So just relax. Relax. Akuna Matata. <laughs> just relax. But you know what the problem is? We get mad, and you know what ultimately that we do? We take it out on the God of heaven because we forsake the work that he's called us to do because we mad at an individual. And you want to know why we're castaways? You want to know why people don't come back to church? It's because they, they don't tie that forsake knot tight enough. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Let me tell you something. When the doors are open at this church, Bethel, I would encourage you to be here. I just wouldn't encourage you. It says don't do it. Don't you, don't you lay out. Well, you don't understand, preacher. Johnny's got a, got a, he's got a runny nose. So the whole family has to stay home and wipe it? Why can't why mama stay one night on this morning and dad stay on Sunday night? Well, we, we could, but there's a rain cloud that's coming and it could rain on us. You know what blessed my heart? Look at this lady back here, 93 years old. Praise the Lord. Huh? Thank God for you, sister. I told you this morning, you're an inspiration. I hope I look as good as you when I'm 70. You're 93. Huh? But you know what she is? She's faithful to the house of God. That blesses my heart. Young people, listen, don't get in the routine of just saying, you know what, I don't feel, I just don't feel like it. You know what? I don't feel like singing praises sometimes, but that's when you need to do it. Amen? <laughs> what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee, Lord. I'm going to sing praises to you when it don't even feel like it. When I don't feel like singing, I'm going to sing praises to you. I'm not going to forget what you've done for me. And if I do, you know what David said? Let my root, let my tongue clave to the roof of my mouth. Just let it stick there. And... 
Not even be able to say nothing. If you're not going to say nothing good, don't say nothing at all. Just keep your mouth shut. Amen. That's what it says. I think it's somewhere in the Bible, be honest with you. No, I don't, I, I'm just playing. Anyway, thank you. So listen, the, the two knots we've talked about tonight, we're getting ready to talk about the last one. The first one is a fear knot. The second one is a forsake knot. And you know what? I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're here and the ones I really need to preach this message to ain't. But let this be preventative maintenance. Let this be something that you can apply to your life that you say, you know what? I don't want to be a drift away. I'm going to tie these knots and I'm not going to slip. Amen? But this is the greatest one that I've found. I want you to look at Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22. Look at this. It says of the, it's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. His compassions fail not. Now, you know what? There's a lot of knots that you can tie, Carl, that ultimately will come loose. But can I tell you about a knot that will never, ever come loose? And this is God's knot. It's of the Lord's mercies that were not consumed. His compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Lord unto me. Amen. This is God's knot. Young people, listen to me now. We've talked about a fail knot. We've talked about a fall knot. We've talked about a, uh, I mean, a fall knot. We've talked about a fret knot. We've talked about a forget knot. We've talked, this is getting confusing, I know. We've talked about a faint knot. We've talked about a fear knot. We've talked about a forsake knot. But God's knot, Tibby, is a fail knot. Can I tell you this? My God has never, ever, ever failed me. You say, how do you know that? Because I've experienced every blessing from Him. Listen, I'm thankful for the stuff, Malcolm, that when I pray for, He don't answer. Because there's things I've prayed for, I'm thankful He hadn't answered it. I'm glad He said no. When I wanted a yes and He said no. Can I say this to everybody and announce to you that God does all things well? Everything. Antonio, I, I struggled for two months after Seth's wreck. Two months, I struggled. And I said, God, I can't get that image. We drove up on the wreck site. The car was open. I mean, literally, the car was in a V like this. This is the back end. This is the front end. Bonnet, boot, okay? Did I do good? Amen? Bonnet, boot. So the car was like this. It was broke like that. My son is in the passenger side. They've got a, this jaws of life that they're trying to get the door off. They can't get the door off. I'm, I'm looking at my son. I remember driving up. The doors went open. I don't even remember if we turned the truck off. But we ran to the car, and they kept me back. And you know what? He looked like he was all right. But he was gone. I found out later that the EMT said, you know, when we got to the wreck site, the first guy that was on the scene said, I checked his pulse when I got there and he was not alive. So you know what I've got the blessing of, Brother Joel? That he didn't have to suffer. He was with Jesus that quick. But you know what, Carl? Here's what the problem was. When I left there, man, I couldn't get that image out of my head. I said, God, I'm tired of seeing this in my dreams. I'd wake up in a cold sweat and I'd go, Lord, please take this image away from me. And I'm going to tell you something. I thank God for my wife because she sat in the back of that car for 45 minutes with a sheet draped over the whole thing with my son and stroked his hair while the coroner got there to pronounce him dead on the scene. I couldn't do that. 
But I went to bed, young people, and I, I had that image in my mind every night for two months. And I got down and I said, God, I am not getting up from here till you take that image out of my mind. And I know you knew it because you said you could. And after three hours of prayer, I'm not lying to you guys. Three hours, Pastor Daniel, three hours I was on the floor. And I got up and I said, well, God, I'm just going to go ahead and claim it. I'm going to sleep. And do you know what? Since that night, I've not had that image come through my mind. God never fails. He never fails. I want to ask you a question tonight. Are you trusting in what you think God wants? Or are you trusting in what He really wants for you? Because some of y'all in this room, you know what you're doing? You're letting down a net when He's asking for all of them. Some of y'all come and fellowship with God's people on a shift basis. We're doing shift work. We'll come about every third Sunday. But I got, you know, we got to go out and we got to do stuff, man. I mean, it's Sunday, you know, this is my only day off. Can I explain something, ladies and gentlemen? God's not never fails. His compassions fail not. They are new every morning Great is thy faithfulness. Do you know how faithful God is to us? We blame God for so many things when really we're the one that got ourselves in the predicament. And then we're going to blame God and get mad at Him. And see, I, I submit to you, when you talk about all this forgiving, now I'm really done now. I'm just talking now. I want to ask you a question. Some of you in this room may, you may have to go and ask God to forgive you for blaming Him for what's going on in your life. Because see, ultimately, your unforgiveness and your anger is directed to the one who controls everything in your life. And can I ask you a question? Don't you think that He knows best? Or do you really? You've got to answer that question. Young people, I'm getting on a plane on Thursday. I'm going back across the big water. You know what I have to do when I get on that plane? You know what you have to do when you get in your car? You've got to trust God that His compassions fail not. That they're new every morning, great is our faithfulness. I have to trust God that, you know, and I'm, Steve had to go through it. You had to trust God that God's going to get your wife to Chile. And He did. He got her there safely. But what are you going to do when life hits you broadsided and it don't go the way you think it ought to go, how are you going to react? See, I want you to ponder upon this. It is of the Lord's mercies that you are not consumed. His compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Listen, folks, there's a fret not. There's a fall not. There's a forget not. There's a faint not. There's a fear not. There's a forsake not. But if you forget every one of those, don't you ever forget God's not. And that is a fail not. God can do anything but fail. Anything. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. This evening, this evening I want to ask a question. On the last night, we're getting ready to disperse and People are going to be commuting back to their churches and homes. There may be somebody tonight 
who you know what you've done? You have decided to live comfortable Christianity instead of committed Christianity. And you know what you've done? You're wading around in ankle-deep water instead of launching out into the deep and doing something for Jesus Christ. And it's time to let down all your nets instead of one. Trust God. Some of y'all in here, you know what? You've forsaken what God's called you to do. You've actually forsaken the house of God. And it's time to get back to be faithful to what God called us to do and not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Some of you in this room have forgotten it's of the Lord's mercies that you're not consumed. His compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I want to ask a question tonight. Do you need to do some business with God? If you do, I'm not even going to ask for a raise of hands. I'm just going to ask you to move when we stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. If you need to do business, please take care of it tonight. Could we stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed right now? Nobody looking around. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closing. Before Pastor Larry comes, I want to ask you to do this. Would you be willing to say yes to him and no to yourself? There's just two choices on the shelf. Pleasing God or pleasing self. What about you today? Is you all on the altar? If you need to come tonight, why don't you come? Maybe you need to get alone with God and just pray a little bit before we close this conference in prayer and go our way. But maybe you need to come tonight. If you do, you come on right now. That's right. If you need to come, you come. Don't delay. Don't worry about it. We're not going to linger labor. But if you need to pray and you need to get alone, why don't you come right now? That's right. Why don't we do this? As Shelley's playing, we're going to go into that first verse with nobody looking around. You know the words. Sing it with your heart. Sing it from your heart. Is you all on the altar? Let's sing it. You have longed for sweet peace and for faith to increase and have earnestly, fervently prayed. But you cannot have rest or be perfectly blessed until all on the altar is laid. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the Spirit You can only be blessed and have sweet peace and sweet rest as you yield Him your body and soul. As Shelley begins to, continues to play, I want to ask you this question tonight before we go. You know, young people, mom and dad, everybody in this room, it's very hard to have a relationship with God when you're not right with your brother or sister. Your relationship horizontally is not going to be right until you first get your relationship vertically done. There may be somebody in this room, and you know what you'd say? Preacher, you know what? I, God's laid somebody on my heart, and I've got to go to them before I pillow my head tonight. I may, make, may need to make a phone call and get some things settled with an individual in my life I love dearly because there's division in our life. And I'm going to try by the grace of God to do that before I lay my head on my pillow tonight. 
And you'd say, you know what, preacher? God's laid somebody on my heart I need to get business right with. And I want you to pray for me. Anybody like that? Anybody. God bless you, friend. God bless you. Thank you. Hey, listen. I said it this week. A clear conscience makes a soft pillow. You want to sleep like a baby tonight? Make things right with your friends. Make things right with your mom and dad. Make things right with your brother's sister. I promise you won't regret it.